Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 16th of July 2012 and what I normally say at the beginning of every broadcast is to go into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com You'll find over a thousand audios for free download there which will fill in the big blanks of history that are constantly being removed by the way so it's good to have a, an archive like this to go back to to find out what really happens and what is happening today and uh, as well documented as well, to, to find that you're living through a big, big agenda, a big prescripted agenda, all the major things, the wars, the social cultural changes, everything is taken into consideration, and it's all done on a time sequence of so many years, 10-year plans, 20-year plans, 50, even 100-year plans. So help yourself to the audio. And that's how the world is really run. It's run as the same way that big businesses plan their future. And uh, here we are going through the biggest changes of all time since at least the Industrial Revolution when they, they got all the people off the farms, small holdings, and pushed them into the cities to be workers for the industrial era. And that's how it was likened to 20 odd years ago by Mr. Rockefeller himself. That's what he said about this particular time that we're coming through. Of course, too, they've also altered the cultures of the people, made them all interdependent, made them uh, think that internationalism is the way to go. The children have been steeped in it at school, and uh, they're all ready for it, too. Uh, Jack Zatelli and others have written books about it, uh, the United Nations, where they say that the, the, the next um, executive will be a nomad who travels across the world, city to city, and he'll have, he'll have no permanent home. Um, and these are the lucky ones. It says the next boat people will be the American people looking for work abroad. So we're at that stage today. And meanwhile, your governments are all across the Western world are all ready for riots and everything else as they bring down the welfare state that they helped to carefully build up, to bring in multiculturalism and new immigration, etc., to destroy the old cultures. Very clever, and, and it works for an awful long time, as I say. Remember, too, you're the audience that bring me to you. You can purchase the books and discs I have at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. And uh, from the U.S. to Canada, remember, you can use personal checks or you can use international postal money orders from the post office or you can send cash uh, or use PayPal across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram and PayPal. But I don't bring on advertisers who are guests or pretend they're specialists and uh, and really just push um, after scaring you, they push all the different things that are going to save your soul. So it's up to you to keep it going. Remember, straight donations are awfully, awfully welcome at this time because we're going through a higher inflation in Canada than they are in the States so far. The state still has to come up to, to Canada's level of austerity and high prices. But that will happen. And the way things are going, as I see even in today's news, they're getting ready for all of that happening in the U.S., we live through a planned agenda, a script, as I say, a script drafted up well over a hundred years ago by the richest people on the planet in London, and uh, their sons worked with this organization too, and her family, uh, to create the Royal Institute for International Affairs, 
that drafted up the plans for an integrated world society by first uniting whole blocks of countries together into trading blocks free under free trade and then standardizing a system which they call democracy. They have two versions of democracy, one for the public who are gullible and one for themselves, which is rather fascist in reality. And that's where we are today. But unfortunately, they've also had a 100 years to work on the minds of everyone, primarily through schools, generation by generation. And then the culture industry, of course, is a big part of it to bring us down to our knees, in a sense, because we're basically degenerate now. Things are happening today in first world countries that you would even imagine happening in a third world country even 50 years ago. We're brought down to barbarianism in a sense, and uh, that was all by design as well. Destroy all the old values, all the old culture, the cohesiveness that kept people together as a culture, and you've got them at your mercy. You're now international and global, and you can be dominated easily. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix. It's amazing really to have known this kind of information for a long, long time, many, many years ago, because as I say, I watched the amalgamation of Europe and the amalgamation went on for many, many, many years. Uh, the, the, the prime ministers always denied they were amalgamating the countries. It was just to do with free trade and, and some economic things. That was what they were told. And then you went to the history, which they published once it was all completed and once they have this European Union Parliament up and running, the super parliament, which is non-democratic. They released the, the, the facts about it, how they, in 1948, every bureaucracy that signed on to it across Europe worked with each other, amalgamating all the laws, regulations, uh, and even currencies uh, into standardization ready for the amalgamation. But the public were not to be told until it was complete. That's what you live in, utter secrecy. At the bottom level, in every country, the public haven't a clue, haven't a clue of what's ever really, really happening about anything. Bertrand Russell talked about a superclass, remember, those that would be the world managers, and how eventually they become a different species because they were living in a different reality at the top, according to what they're given at the bottom. And we truly are in it today. We're living under a super class of those in the know and those who are the doers and the movers and the shakers of it all, the technocrats. And then you have the media keeping us dumb and stupid down below that just points to today's news. Oh, look what's happening today. Then they give you some dumb reason for it that's got nothing to do with reality. That's how we're managed today, and it's going to get worse and worse as time goes on. Last week I mentioned, too, uh, that uh, in the PSYOPs article, that pretty well all your news today, all, almost all of your news, is given via government and government agencies through their public relations or propaganda departments and handed right on into the media that then put their own names on it and print it in your, your papers for you. That's your standardized reality for you at the bottom. And that goes across the world. The same stuff. It's on everywhere. So we're, we're, it's hard to get reality anymore. And when you do get a little bit of something happening, you have to find out for yourself, just using your, your rationality to figure out why things are happening. 
but for years they talked about uh, globalism, globalism. That was a mantra through the 80s into the 90s. And when it had Gulf War One, suddenly we were all fighting again uh, somewhere in the Middle East in Gulf War One, and America put up the flags once more, and suddenly you were all nationalistic again, and everybody else was too. And since then, we, we have, we've got this schizophrenic attitude. We're, we're, we're global, but we're also national, uh, because you've got to get the troops joining, you guys to join the, the, the military. Years ago, the Council on Foreign Relations, many years ago, had articles in their own magazine, Foreign Affairs, uh, of how to get a global army together, because it would be hard to make them patriotic for this vague thing called the world. And uh, they had all different ideas about it, but eventually they said what they would do would be to train more and more special force groups, small groups, and then those guys would be well-paid compared to the average trooper, and they'd also be encouraged to go into the world's private armies. That's already happened too, you see. So these guys think of everything, because they have to, after all, they're, they're planning the future uh, right up until, the, you know, for the next thousand years or more. Their future, as we die off, and so on. Anyway, it says here, U.S. security agents are to be based at Heathrow and some other U.K. airports for the duration of the Olympic Games, according to Sky sources. So, here's a TSA now in Britain. It's just called TSA International. The Department of Transport has reached an agreement with the Transport Security Administration for specialist agents to be based at several U.K. airports. These guys are the ones that can actually read and write, the special ones that they're picking for this. They will arrive one week before the Olympics and leave around a week after the end of the Paralympics. Sky's Home Affairs correspondent Mark White said it's an added security layer that's been done to help boost and aid the American airlines in particular that fly in and out of the likes of Heathrow and other airports. Nonetheless, it's a very unusual occurrence and is significant. And that's all we'll get told about it. That, that's good enough for the general public. So TSA Inc. International is, is spreading its wings, you might say. Now, Part of the old plan, uh, which is still working, so there's only been one plan, you see, one agenda uh, by the same people. Uh, and they started up the whole idea of globalism using Britain and the British Empire. And believe you me, the empire is still there. They call it the Commonwealth now, it sounds softer. But it's actually an empire. They would use that empire and build on it, bring countries in on it. And would even invade countries and set up our own institutions, just as they're doing with the U.S. and Britain and Iraq and elsewhere. And we put puppet governments in and train them for a generation until they would adopt the same system that we have. That's free trade, the same corrupt system of payoffs and masonry and all the rest of it for the guys and bureaucrats and bureaucracy. And only then would they pull out of those countries once they knew they were on board with the world agenda. That was the idea after World War II. But they're still doing it today, of course, uh, and uh, that is the same agenda that the U.S. is doing in the Middle East because Britain handed the torch over, as he said, as Kipling said, to the U.S. And they would finance it, supply the troops and the taxis and all the rest of it uh, to carry it on. It was too much for Britain itself because we were already raped and plundered after centuries of war after the Rothschilds took over the Bank of England. And it says here, uh, this other article to do with amalgamating countries, not just the whole of Europe, but the Far East was to be done too through the Royal Institute of International Affairs and the Institute for Pacific Relations, they called it, the department that worked on that. Every Prime Minister of Australia and New Zealand has been a member of that for a 100 years. 
It says a shared Australian-New Zealand currency would boost productivity. Now, you see what's happening in Europe with the euro. Everybody's bailing out everybody else forever and ever and ever. Amen. So it's, it's so great there, right? They're going to do the same thing with Australia and New Zealand and be a few other countries as well. These guys don't stop because, after all, it's the only agenda that they have. So it says a single currency for Australia and New Zealand would, would promote competition. Well, how would it promote com- between whom? And could help uh, boost productivity, you see, according to New Zealand's central bank. See, the central banks were the way that the Milner Group, that became the Royal Institute of International Affairs, they're all bankers, they said through the central banks they would amalgamate all the countries. And then they would do all the bookwork for the country's expenditures. Not the nation, but this international body. That's what you have in Europe now with the Bank for International Settlements doing the bookkeeping. That's what it's all about. But it says both countries are under pressure to unlock productivity gains because of the relative strength of the respective currencies as a global economy deals with the continuing fallout from the financial crisis. The Reserve Bank of New Zealand says moving to a single currency with Australia might, I love their guarantees, might produce efficiency gains which could stimulate, and also means it could not, right, and investment between the two countries. Currency union could also expose domestic producers to more competition and thereby increase productivity and encourage more cross-border financial diversification. Well, they've got enough cross-border financial diversification because the guys from India and elsewhere are bringing their own teams over for work and mining and all that. So the bank has said in a submission to an inquiry into closer economic relations between the two countries. However, it warns that there would need to be a strong trans-Tasman safeguards put in place to avoid a repeat of the problems faced by the European Union. Well, if you want to believe that, they can avoid that, uh, Europe a country. Since Australia's economy is around five times larger than New Zealand's, New Zealand would inevitably be a minority partner in a trans-Tasman Union, the bank said. Institutional arrangements would, would they therefore need to be designed to help safeguard New Zealand's interests. Well, they're going to demolish New Zealand. There's a lot of, awful lot of foreigners want to buy it over, you know, just, just like parts of Greece, like they're doing right now. They've, they've got their eye on New Zealand. Nice place to live, actually. Nice climate. An important downside of adopting a common currency is a loss of independent monetary policy to, to manage domestic inflation when it differs from inflation in other member countries or to respond to shocks to which other members are not exposed. In other words, when one goes down, you all go down. You know, one for all, all for one idea. And, you, and if you can't have control over your own nation's currency, then believe you me, somebody else does it, and they will bring you to, to the rock bottom. Also in Australia, uh, Gillard says a story she tried to kill. I'll put this up tonight as well. Because, I mean, she used to be in, involved with a, a big union fraudster. Uh, this is this is a fact. She was, uh, his name was Bruce Wilson. A lot of money went missing, etc. They're buying homes and all the rest of it. And but Gillard was involved with this guy big time, and has come out. And she really got really really furious about it when the story came out to the press. That's why she's trying to pass all these bills to, to basically curtail all the press. That's one of the, one of the main reasons. So I'll put this up tonight. It's quite a quite an interesting article and how she's come down on all the TV stations and journalists that, that will even mention this particular story. Rather important to know when you're, if your prime minister was involved basically in a mafia, isn't it? I would think so. And 
Here's another one too. Government unveils huge wish list of new surveillance powers. And this is also to do with Australia. This is the Attorney General's Department has unveiled proposals for a massive expansion of intelligence gathering powers, including data retention, the surveillance of Twitter accounts, forcing people to give up computer passwords, ASIO stop and search powers, government authority to direct telecommunication companies about infrastructure and the power for ASIO to plant or destroy information on computers. For those who don't know it, we're getting the same thing done in Canada and the States. Certain people are getting selected and you know darn well when they're into your computer and, and they'll start crashing it for you or just information just disappears. And it's because the military were given um, permission in the U.S. to do this, with Canada's involvement, of course. Anyway, since the proposals are outlined in a discussion paper provided for a major national security inquiry by Parliament's Joint Committee on Intelligence and Security announced yesterday. That will go up tonight to these links at cuttingthroughthematrix.com at the end of the broadcast. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts. We're talking about the Matrix basically because you live in a Matrix where you get crumbs thrown at you that are always distorted of course because you have to make sense of it for yourselves and start thinking for yourselves. Don't expect anybody else to do it for you. And Cairo, protesters threw tomatoes and shoes at the US, I guess you've got bad shoes, at US Secretary of State Hillary Clinton's motorcade on Sunday during the first visit to Egypt since election of Islamist President Mohammed Mursi. A tomato struck an Egyptian official in the face and shoes and a water bottle landed near the armoured cars carrying Clinton's delegation in the port city of Alexandria. A senior State Department official said that neither Clinton nor her vehicle, which were around the corner from the incident, were struck by any of the projectiles. The protesters uh, chanted, Monica, Monica, a reference to former President uh, Bill Clinton's extramarital affair. Uh, that was one of them. Some chanted, leave Clinton and Egyptian security officials. So they said anyway, that's what was it. It's not clear who the protesters were. Of course it is, you know who they are or what political affiliations they had. Protesters outside Clinton's hotel on Saturday night chanted anti and Islamist uh, slogans accusing the US of backing the Muslim Brotherhood's rise to power. They, they know better over there what's going on than we get told through the nonsense here. The assault on her motorcade came on the day Clinton spoke at the newly reopened US consulate in Alexandria addressing accusations the U.S., which has long supported uh, former President Hosni Mubarak, of backing one faction or another in Egypt following his ouster last year. I want to be clear that the U.S. is not in the business in Egypt of choosing winners and losers, and even if we could, which of course we cannot, Clinton said, well, of course they do. They they fund them, they they, they arm them, and and they send them in. It's been well understood. Clinton also met the country's top general, Field Marshal Hussein Tantawi, on Sunday to discuss Egypt's turbulent democratic transition as the military wrestles for influence with the new president. Well, democracy, remember, is the same system I've got here, where we're simply told what to do, and you get groped at the airports and everything else, and all your mail is getting confiscated or read, and yada, yada, yada. That's what they call democracy now. It's a slave, you know, master-slave relationship. Big corporations are running the world, and, and a lot of them just completely private, of course. 
but they still use, they still flog the democracy bit to, for the average Joe out there who doesn't know what's really going on for the, for the mainstream media, for the news. So anyway, uh, they're not so dumb as to what's happening in their own countries. They're far from it, in fact. Now, in Britain, uh, the sinking with the immigration that's been sinking there for years with the immigration that keeps coming in. And there's no secret because Tony, Tony Blair in his era uh, told his right-hand man to open the immigration floodgates to, to bring in as many as they possibly could, in other words, to destroy the culture of Britain forever. That was the main reason that Tony Blair gave for it. And that was mainstream. I'm not making this up. And so... He says, surge in British population expected in the new census results. UK population has grown by more than 3 million in the past 10 years. Census results are expected to show tomorrow. I bet you anything, it's way past that. And it says, the Office for National Statistics will be publishing the first findings from its once-a-decade national headcount based on a survey of all 25 million households. They believe it will show that the population rose to more than 62 million last year from 58.8 million at the time of the last census in 2001. The 11th census will reveal the full impact of Labour's immigration policy during the party's three, 13 years in power, including the decision to allow Poles and other Eastern Europeans free access to the UK's labour market when the European Union expanded in 2004. The first, uh, tomorrow's first published findings of the 480 million pound survey. Everything's incredibly expensive when government does things, eh? Held on March 27th last year will include age and gender breakdowns of the population and statistics by council areas as well as the headline social be followed later in the year by breakdowns or detailed breakdowns according to ethnicity, nationality and religion. An annual population estimate also compiled by the ONS, but based on a smaller survey, put the UK population at 62.3 million in mid-2010. And, uh, and then there's a lot of arguments after with the so-called specialists to say it's a lot more, etc., and blah, 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 blah. And it will be an awful lot more than what they're telling you. Uh, this is interesting, too, this article, because you can remember when I read on the air about the Homeland Security Department uh, ordering 450 million hollow-point bullets for pistol calibre, basically. And I put that up at the time, and it'll be in the archive section at Cutting Through the Matrix. I'll put this up again tonight regardless, so you remember it. But now that I've gone ahead, uh, and there's two, I'll put up two links to uh, federal business opportunities from the government, and they've ordered massive amounts of .223 calibre Remington-enhanced performance ammunition, and, and uh, even the weaponry to use it. So it says uh, accessibility to information, and um, it says federal business opportunities, .223 caliber Remington enhanced performance ammunition. Uh, they've got a massive, big, big uh, order in for that, uh, huge amounts, uh, a lot of cash involved, and also for these new Colts as well, apparently. And it says, this notice of an award of an indefinite delivery, a quantity contract is being posted in accordance with federal acquisition regulation. And then they mentioned the regulation number, which awards notices for actions exceeding uh, $500,000. This contract will provide the Department of Homeland Security the necessary point two two three Remington caliber, 62 to 64 grain enhanced performance ammunition for its duration. The period of performance is a base year with four one-year options commencing on 7 to the 12, 2012. And it gives you the contacting office, etc. I, th- I think it's about ten million dollars uh, uh, worth of the ammo, but they also are ordering the, the firearms as well. 
which have got dual receivers for different calibers. It's a special Colt 901. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back cutting through the matrix. And uh, as I say, I'll put up these articles to do with the Homeland Security's uh, requests for these, this ammunition and the rifle systems, too, that they're going to work it with. But it's interesting they're bringing in a lot of military-caliber ammunition. And uh, I think the Colt LE-901 rifle system, which is able to, yeah, really, to actually change receivers in it for two different uh, calibers, basically, but um, it says the, the modified M4 lower receiver mated to a 0.308 caliber upper receiver. The lower receiver will accept any function uh, and function any military specification 0.223 caliber upper receiver. And it's thus backwards compatible with all CBP-US Border Patrol M4 upper receivers. Colt is the only known company to offer such a unique and specialized weapon system. And the Colt 901 is the only one uh, known weapon system of this type is gas-operated and all that kind of stuff for, for the buffs that want to know about it. But it's amazing. I mean, they're not buying all this stuff just to go and shoot at targets. Uh, believe you me, this is a, a military inside your own country uh, that's obviously getting orders to get ready for something. Obviously. Obviously. And the U.S. that arrived into the Gulf just recently too, I've uh, been opening fire on fishermen, and this is uh, Dubai. It says uh, one person was killed, three others injured Monday when a U.S. Navy ship fired at an approaching fishing boat off the United Arab Emirates. But officials did not immediately blame terrorism or cite an Iran link to the still murky incident. This is why the boat approached the, the U.S. refueling ship, the USNS uh, Rappahannock is called, was still unclear, U.S. officials said, but the U.S. Navy said the small motorboat ignored repeated warnings to halt its approach before a security team fired drums from a 50 caliber machine gun. Well, that will certainly kill them, eh? Even small boats dwarfed by the size of the U.S. Uh, vessel can still pose a threat, so there's killing folk that they get anywhere near it. And these folk are fishing in the traditional areas. And... Uh, and comes these massive warships, and they try to keep fishing as always, and and they don't realise the the different um, mentality you're dealing with these days, where they want to go and kill you, you know, these folk in the ships. Anyway, this article here is about climate uh, science and shambles. It says it's the best of times and the worst of times for science. Over the past several years, the world has been a spectator to an alarming meltdown as one serious scandal after another has publicly exposed many of the world's most prestigious scientific organizations, institutions, and publications as being captives of rigid ideologues who employ rigged computer models. And they are rigged. That's what they build them for the special computer models. Uh, fraudulent evidence, censorship and intimidation to advance a radical green political agenda and to squelch genuine scientific inquiry and debate. Some of the preeminent scientists involved in promoting global warming alarmism have been disgraced and discredited after being caught in fragrant in unethical and illegal activities. Even before the 2009 Climate Gate East Mail scandal, many leading scientists who had earlier been true believers in man-made global warming 
had begun jumping ship and joining the anti-global warming sceptical side. Since then, the defections have turned into a veritable flood, making this one of the great untold stories of the major establishment media, which continue to trumpet the alarmist propaganda. Well, that's because all the media uh, have uh, their so-called uh, environmental specialists on board with them. They're really just members of the big green parties. Uh, Two defections were particularly striking as world leaders and tens of thousands of delegates, NGO activists and journalists gathered in Rio de Janeiro in June for the UN's Rio Plus 20 Conference on Sustainable Development. In an interview with the UK Guardian on the eve of the summit, James Lovelock, uh, the British inventor, NASA scientist, author and originator of the Gaia Hypothesis, mocked sustainable development as meaningless drivel and said the United Nations makes a mess of everything it gets involved with. In 2006, Lovelock, one of the world's most famous environmental gurus, asserted that due to global warming, billions of us will die, and the few breeding pairs of people that survive will be in the Arctic, where the climate remains tolerable. He now says his predictions were alarmist, and he criticizes his former comrades for having turned environmentalism into a green religion. Lovelock also endorses nuclear power and expanded development of natural gas through the hydraulic fracturing or fracking. But this ultimate heresy is his withering rejection of so-called renewable energy, especially wind power, as a viable replacement for carbon-based fuels. Says we rush into renewable energy without any thought, says Lovelock. The schemes are largely hopelessly inefficient and unpleasant. He's upset many of his erstwhile green brethren for attacking wind turbines and wind farms as ugly and useless. And then Professor Fritz van Reholtz is another green, uh, recent green heretic, a founding father of Germany's environmental movement, director of one of Europe's largest alternative energy companies. Uh, van Reholtz stunned the Greens in February of this year with publication of the climate skeptic book De Cult Sonne. The Cold Sun, which scorches the UN's intergovernmental panel on climate change, run by that little guy from the railroad company, Bachuri, and other alarmists co-authored with noted geologist-paleontologist Dr. Sebastian Luning. The book was published by one of Germany's premier book publishers and amazingly received hugely positive reviews in the major German media. On, fe- on February 7th, Germany's leading daily newspaper, Bild, 16 million circulation devoted a half page to the Van Holt story under the headline, The CO2 Lie. Renowned team of scientists claim the climate catastrophe is fear-mongering by politics. Build followed up with a series of stories on Van Holt's defection and the mounting evidence of massive fraud from the climate alarmists. Don't forget, though, that this whole alarmist stuff is to take all your rights away completely and run you in a scientific fashion. That means personally, every single one of you. That's what it's for. That's why they need this. That's why the Club of Rome was given the task to find a way to do it. Take all your rights away, bring in a global society under a very authoritarian system. And they said that global warming, famine, uh, that kind of thing, so that would fit the bill. That's from their own writings, their own book. And they are the main uh, think tank for the, for the Club of Rome, is the main think tank for the United Nations. Now, years and years and years ago, uh, it talks about building up into these mega cities of the future. And um, there'll be different mega cities, there'll be high tech mega cities for the wealthy elite the ones that they deem essential to the future of society, for their own society. And then there's the, the present megacities, amalgamated cities, they call them super cities, where they've amalgamated smaller cities altogether into big ones. 
and that's to be the future slums as we all die off up until the year 2050 or whatever with their various predictions that they have. Anyway, it says, Agenda 21, dense mega cities of the future are already underway. And it says, a few months ago, scientists were calling for the human population to move into more closely uh, tight-knit cities. Michael Frakaius, chief scientist for the, for the UIN's Planet Under Pressure, wants populations to be confined to megacities, locked up so they're easily controlled and mitigate further population growth. Uh, Frakaius says if cities can develop in height rather than in width, that would be much more preferable and environmentally not as harmful. According to the Globalist America 2050, metropolitan regions will be an interlocking economic system, shared natural resources and ecosystems, and common transportation systems link these population centers together. That's all under Agenda 21, as you well know. The agenda for the 21st century from the United Nations, no private vehicles and so on. The mega-regions are defined as environmental systems and topography, infrastructure systems, economic linkages, settlement patterns and land use, shared culture and history. So they're doing that already. They're destroying histories. I mentioned that last week, how they're destroying whole parts and chunks of histories because we can't have this. Remember John Dewey? Way back in the 1920s talked about this. Eventually they'll destroy all histories. And once we've got this multicultural society, we'll give you a brand new history. And we'll be no happy smelling little morons. Under Agenda 21, policymakers, businesses and community leaders will be used to enact changes to city structures, including controlling public water allocation and distribution. That's a member, food and water is a weapon. Coordinating transportation of goods from one mega-region to another, installing high-speed reeling systems and approved eco-conscious transportation modes to mitigate CO2 emissions, protection of biodiversity by restricting human effects to nature, implementing tough economic and development strategies to make multi-use purposes in land distribution. Global integration zones will link regions to one another through specially designed transportation systems. Now, this does fall in with the Ministry of Defence from Britain, in the 2008 uh, scenario of the future, when, when they talked about all of this too. And these, are, these big cities with the ordinary folk in it will just turn into slums and be policed until they're all dead and died off. And, and then the future elites will live in their mega cities, high-tech ones, very clean and not crowded together, of course. So I'll put this link up tonight as well for those who want to peruse it. Uh, it's amazing too, but nothing, nothing's amazing anymore. You cannot be shocked by anything actually. And nothing, literally. When, it, when you've got populations eating each other, I mean, you really can't get shocked with anything anymore. It's just all over and done with. Because we've been, been debased and conquered. That's what you've got to do to conquer people is debase them. Bring them down to, you know, you can't eat and see animals. Animals don't behave this way. But it says auditors say billions likely wasted in Iraq work. Billions. They just can't find where it all went. And no one's really trying to. After years of following the paper trail of $51 billion in U.S. taxpayer dollars provided to rebuild a broken Iraq, the U.S. government can say with certainty that too much was wasted, but it can't say how much. Can you imagine when you get your tax bills and you can't make everything match and they're down like a ton of bricks? But when it comes to them, oh no, well, we just don't know where it went and that's just too bad. And what it called the final audit report, the Office of the Special Inspector General for Iraq Reconstruction Funds on Friday spelled out a range of accounting weaknesses 
that put billions of American taxpayer dollars at risk of waste and misappropriation in the largest reconstruction project of its kind in U.S. history. The precise amount lost to fraud and waste can never be known. That's the way they like it, though. It can never be known. They found huge problems accounting for the huge sums. One small example of failure stood out. A contractor got away with charging $80 for a pipe fitting that its competitor was selling for $1.41. That's fairly common, eh? This is why the company's billing documents were reviewed sloppily by U.S. contracting officers or were not reviewed at all. Uh, they're all on the take, folks. That's what's wrong with the people who do the reviewing. For those who can't figure it out. It's always been that way, though. So it's a, it goes on with a lot of money that's just gone missing. It's quite a fairly long article. I'll put this up as well. Because after all, it's just laissez-faire, you know, standard today. Now, Britain, the British people and the European peoples didn't want the GM food coming, industry coming in. And it's interesting, when Tony Blair was in power, and he was trying to pass it by himself, basically, uh, for all British peoples, but at the same time, he made exemptions for the elite places, even the big, uh, they call it a cafeteria for the parliamentarians. It's, it's, like, a, it's like the Ritz Hotel. But he says they'll be exempt from, they, they wouldn't eat that, they get organic stuff for them. They won't eat the stuff they're forcing on you. But now that they're under uh, Europe, the European group, the European Parliament is utterly corrupt, of course, and all completely new world order. Uh, they've demanded that Germany and Britain and other countries uh, start using the GM's uh, crops. And the people have no say in it at all. Actually, it's up to them if they want to say in it. They've got to do something, you get a say in it. But Bill Gates, you know, the big philanthropists, they, they create these fake geniuses to, to present to the public, and then they suddenly become the philanthropists, and suddenly they're on board with all the same agenda they've been on board with all these years, you know, sterilizing women across the third world, bringing down the population through poisons and cancers and all the rest of it. But Bill Gates donates for £6.4 million grant to British scientists for GM crops in one of the largest single investments to the project. So they've won a 6.4 million grant from Microsoft billionaire Bill Gates to develop genetically modified crops. Mind you, he'll get a lot more back than, than his little donation there. Believe that too. The Gates Foundation's donation is one of the largest single investments to the GM project in the UK. The John Innes Centre in Norwich will use the fund to cultivate corn, wheat and rice capable of taking nitrogen from the air, meaning they need little or no fertilizer so they can get it from the air. Actually, this idea is old. And you'll find a great stories on the characters that just happened to find this way of getting nitrogen from the air just in time to make explosives for World War I. It's quite fascinating who they actually were. Anyway, uh, they're going forward with all this and the public have no say at all. And in actual fact, we've never had any say. And they could have even kept us all quiet from most of the public, except the farmers tend to talk and it would slip out. Otherwise, you never heard but the fact you're getting fed poisons. And the police minister, Nick Herbert, announces criminal justice plans from the BBC News. Criminals could be dealt with in days or hours under plans to introduce swift and sure justice and flexible court hours. What's all this about? It's for the next riots that come about. This is why they're doing this. No, no juries, nothing. And just back to the Middle Ages, where the magistrates will just hear, hear, the, hear your case for, for two minutes and down goes the hammer and away you go. So it's all to do, and they actually say that, uh, it'll actually help for the next riots that come along. 
Police Minister Nick Herbert has published a white paper posing more court video links and tougher community sentences in England and Wales. And um, it says he denied it was a gesture politics and told BBC's Radio 4 Today programme. The whole point of these reforms is to ensure swift and sure justice is about putting the victims first, like they've ever cared about victims in Britain. Eh? There's no need for unnecessary delay in our criminal justice system. So... As I say, it's really for the riots that are coming up, so they can just run, run through them. Because they expect more and more flash mobs, riots, etc., which they talked about in 2008. Another thing that's not surprising at all is to do with genetics and the mating up of the male and the female for the genetic capabilities. Scientists predict eugenic society will be here and established. It's already established, we know that. But this is the first time I've mentioned it to the public. Gene tests to determine, uh, they call it lover's compatibility. They won't have lovers, it's just a contract with them really at that level. It seems we'd be heading into a new era of eugenics in the future. Instead of choosing to settle with partners we love, we may be choosing them based on the compatibility of our genes. And it seems we'd be heading this new era of eugenics in the future. It says, um, Professor Armand Leroy of Imperial College London predicts that the ever-declining cost of DNA testing means we may be heading towards a society that is based on genetic superiority. And um, it says we're heading into a new era of eugenics. And uh, it says it seems we may be heading to the... It says it's over and over again, by the way. These papers are terrible. Where society will embrace genetic superiority and people will pick their partners based on genes. And a 1997 sci-fi film, Gattaca, I've mentioned that hundreds of times in the past, it's about how a genetically inferior man living in a future society driven by liberal eugenics, where babies are designed to have the best traits of their parents, takes on the identity of another genetically superior man in order to pursue his lifelong dream of space travel. It seems we'd be heading into a new era, and uh, it says society will definitely embrace genetic superiority, and uh, and so on and so on. Well, it's, it's already here. This is a, a get-ready kind of story. You'll see a lot more of them in the next few weeks. Back with more after this. Hi, folks. We're back. And this article follows with the last one. It's the same, about the same topic, the same people. It says that Leroy told the European, uh, of the Euroscience Open Forum 2012 in Dublin, they expect that in five to ten years it will become standard practice for young people to pay to access their entire genetic code, according to the Telegraph. Naturally, the future generation's desire to have a healthy baby will then lead them to request access to view the genetic blueprint of any prospective long-term partner. He told researchers attending the major science conference in Dublin that with information, future couples could then use the IVF to weed out offspring with incurable diseases. Don't forget that, that not having the proper IQ will eventually will be an incurable disease. I'm not kidding about that. It's already happening. They're, they're aborting what they claim are Down syndrome, and often they don't have it at all. I've even read articles on that where they didn't even have these. Half their tests are, are false positives. Anyway, it says, however, he added that it's unlikely that people have the luxury of using the technology to design babies by intellect or eye color, but will instead, instead focus on stopping genetic diseases. Speaking in a session titled, I, Human, Our New Scientific Discoveries Challenging Our Identity as a Species, Leroy said, the cost of genetic sequencing has been falling so quickly, it's soon going to become very accessible very, very soon. 
he gave the example and said that um, the price to, of sequencing a person has fallen from $1 billion more than a decade ago to about $4,000 at present. He noted that in some ways eugenics are already here with tens of thousands of babies with Down syndrome and other illnesses being aborted every year. They, they see that as a success story, by the way. These processes are very well established in most European countries. He told the conference on Thursday many of the ethical problems that people raise when they speak of uh, new uh, in, uh, eugenics are not or nothing once you offer gene selection or mate selection as a eugenic tool. We're actually beginning to identify the genes that make a human. Well, depends whose definition you're using, right? The search for an essence is a 2,000-year-old myth. What we are, we are left with is a sense of capacity and the role of genes in the way they give us these things. He added, I'm certain genome sequencing will be available on the National Health Service, UK Health Centre um, services within our lifetimes. It's going to be very, very accessible very soon. Well, that's what the elite have always been pushing for too, and they'll use it like every other excuse that they have. They'll say it's an, an ideal, precise science, and it'll be as bogus as, as the, the Green Revolution and global warming. Danish neurobiologist uh, Lone Frank predicts that some countries will embrace the idea uh, more than others. And um, it says, Philippa Taylor of the Christian Medical Fellowship said that society must recognize and resist the eugenic mindset and the usual things that most folks say about it and you expect them to see what they're saying, right? And um, it says our priority should be to develop treatments and supportive measures for those with genetic disease, not to search them out and destroy them before birth. Don't forget allergies are also put in there with uh, genetic diseases. You get aborted if you've got a case of the sniffles or your dad had or something. I'm not kidding, folks. See, life is cheap now because we have no morality. We have no, nothing shocks anybody anymore. They're winning all the time. You understand, there is no opposition to this because everyone is, be, is adapting to the system uh, day by day, month by month. They adapt to everything. And they don't even realize they're adapting because it's, like, it's, it's not even a conscious thing that they go through. They just adapt. Until, so are we really human after all? What is it to be human? Define humanity today with humanity 50, 60 years ago. You'd be kind of shocked if you can get that far. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your God's go with you. <laughs>